You are listening to Uncomfortable, comfortable conversations around uncomfortable topics. Hello and welcome to Uncomfortable, the podcast, the place where we have comfortable conversations around uncomfortable topics. I'm your host, Debbie Roach, and in this episode, I chat with sex educator Eva Sweeney. Through her platform, Cripping Up Sex with Eva, Eva Sweeney gives classes about sex and disability, topics that are not talked about nearly enough in our society. As a queer teen with cerebral palsy, Eva couldn't find adequate information about integrating her sexuality with her disability. So she created the information herself. And she now has over 15 years of experience giving workshops all over the country about sex and disability. Through Cripping Up Sex with Eva, she continues to do workshops in person and online and even has an online store with pre-recorded classes. Additionally, Eva has two blogs, Cripping Up Reviews, where she reviews sex toys through an accessible lens, and Crip Cues, where she answers anonymous questions about sex and disability. Now, I really hope that you enjoy this episode with Eva, but hey, it's a sexy one, so there will be some adult language. So make sure to pop on those headphones. Eva, thank you so much for joining me on Uncomfortable, the podcast. I'm really excited to have you. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about you and the work that you do, um, because I've, I've looked a little in your blogs and it's pretty awesome. So I'm really excited to share this with the mm-hmm. listeners. Well, as you know, my name is Eva. I run Cripping Up Sex with Eva, which is my sex and disability education platform. I have cerebral palsy, which for me means I am nonverbal and in a wheelchair. This is my assistant Cameron that you hear. I wrote out my answers in advance for Cameron to read, but for any other questions, I will be spelling on my letterboard. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you too, Cameron, for being here. It's great to have you both. Um, So yeah, Eva, you run a couple of blogs. Tell us just a little bit, like what they are and what they're about. Um, I have a S-E, a sex, T, toy review blog. Uh, where I a where I talk about the accessibility of different sex toy designs. I also have a a an anonymous advice blog where I answer questions asked anonymously 
about sex and disability and dating and everything in that world, basically. Awesome. Awesome. So needed. So that does lead to the next question. What age were you when you realized that there were just absolutely no resources on sex for people with disabilities? And why did you decide to take the stand? Like, why Eva? (laughs) Well, when I was 19, I was trying to find any kind of resources Mm -hmm. on sex and disability for my personal use. I called many organizations and often was hung up on. No one was talking about this for some reason, and I decided to start creating the information for myself. I now believe it is because owning your sexuality gives you power in your life, and many, many disability organizations want us to be easy or compliant. That's the reason why they don't talk about sex and disability. I wrote a book called Queers on Wheels, which is essentially a hand guide to help people with disabilities explore their sexuality more. Mm. I then traveled the country giving sex and disability Mm. workshops and had many people in their 40s approach me saying no one had ever talked about sex or they never heard someone talking about sex and disability to them before. This was just further proof for me that this work really needed to be done. I love that. I love that. Um, it's like such important work and it's even amazing that like so many people have come to you after the fact just saying thank you. Um, I love this third participant that we have here. <laughs> what's, what's the name of your kitty? This is Romeo. Oh, hi Romeo. So anyone listening to the podcast and not watching the YouTube video, Romeo is uh, trying to take center stage. <laughs> I love it. That's exactly what he wants. This is where we're looking. So he's like, oh, you're looking at the camera? Uh, How about I get in front of the camera? I love it. I love it. Romeo wants in in the action. (laughs) Good for him. Good for him. So, Eva, as a queer female, how has your sexuality added an even more complex layer to your own sex, sex education and sex life as, you know, someone with a disability? I think being queer has actually been really helpful because when you're queer, sex is already outside of the mainstream norm of what sex is supposed to look like. Mm. So you're already forced to start thinking about sex in different ways more in like ways that work best for you and your partner as opposed to like what's expected of you in sex. Mm, Um, So it was easy to apply Mm. that logic to disability as well. I know some straight people with disabilities who try to fit in that mold of heteronormative vanilla Mm. sex, but their bodies don't allow it for, um, Mm. their bodies don't allow for it. And so they're left feeling frustrated. Okay, so yeah, that's a really good kind of perspective how just your sexuality has then, you know, caused this kind of insight into sex to be more about something in a relationship rather than just going out and having sex for the sake of it, which, you know, it's kind of expected of us all (laughs) at a young age, especially, right? And uh, not that there's anything wrong if that's what you want, but if you are looking for a relationship too, it kind of adds another layer. So that's that's great. Now, have you ever used a sex service? I have spoken, I did an interview, it was about a year ago, 
um, with my friend Spencer, who also has cerebral palsy, and he was talking about the use of a sex surrogate. And, you know, I've heard great things, but Spencer also felt because of the transaction involved, felt a bit weird about it. But at the same time, it was a great service. So I'm just curious to know if it's something you've ever used. And if so, how was the experience? How did you feel about it? Well, no, I actually personally have not been to a sex surrogate, but I really do think they're an awesome and great resource. I L O love loved the M O V the movie the sex uh, the S the sessions uh, because it was the F first time I had seen M I had seen S E sex and disability in a P-O-S in a positive light. I love that. It was a great movie. I agree. And um, I went to see it and it was the same thing. It was really nice to, to see that kind of being in media because you don't get that. And I'm actually, if you don't mind, going to ask a question that's not on script, but do you think now that you're seeing this more in like TV and film, you're seeing people with disabilities, you know, represented in TV shows a lot more? And how do you feel about that? I, L, I love it. I was a, actually a consultant on the TV show Speechless. Cool. Uh, which is about uh, a teenage boy with cerebral palsy and his family, and they are fun and dysfunctional, and they get real, and like, and he like, especially because um, I was a consultant on the show, I really pushed for him to date, him to be like a regular teenage boy, and like, um, it was a f a um a family like sitcom mm -hmm. um, so it could not get mm -hmm. too real or like too sexy um but still you pushed for like every or we pushed for like everything yeah good to like make it the most authentic representation of a disabled teenage boy that's um, awesome yeah Totally. Really and it's great seeing more of that in the media. Yeah. Though there is still such a long way to go, honestly. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. But it's starting and I hope it just keeps, you know, getting better and there's more yeah. out there, right? Exactly. That's fantastic. Now, um, I noticed that one of the services you offer is how to speak to your partner about sex. So what kind can you give us an insight into some advice that you would give to someone who has a disability that is just kind of too shy or afraid to have that conversation with their partner? Well, I always say when you want to talk to, about your disability with your partner, especially in the beginning, uh, just give them the info that they need to know just to begin with. Uh, don't give them the whole workup on what your disability entails. I know it can be tempting sometimes, but 
at least just mm -hmm. don't do that at first when you're mm -hmm. getting to know someone. Uh, just talk about what your body can and can't do and like, sorry, mm -hmm. hang on. Just talk about what your body can mm -hmm. and cannot do in general and in the bedroom and find out what they like and can do as well. It's a two-way conversation about how your mm -hmm. bodies work. Yes. Uh, make it fun and flirty, honestly, mm -hmm. by casually discussing what you'd like mm -hmm. to try or brainstorming different ways of approaching sex together. Mm -hmm. uh, let them ask questions as questions are awesome. They show your partner just wants to get to know you. Uh, this does not have to be a super serious discussion. Think of it more as like foreplay and flirting and getting to know each other. I love that. Also, if you have a P H physical disability, let letting your partner like physically feel your body in a non-sexual way, like just being familiar with how it is and how, it, how your body works uh, is a really great way for them to get to know you and how your disability like affects your body. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's really great advice. I mean, it's hard enough, you know, have that conversation when you're first dating someone for anyone you know just anyone it's an awkward conversation but then yeah for for someone like yourself Eva it's you know even more important but at the same time still equally yeah. it's awkward <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. It, really helps to be, it really helps to be upfront from the beginning like yeah before, especially if you're in like online dating or something I uh, put my disability in my bio. It's, it's not like a whole thing. I'm just like, I got CP. I got a book. I'm sex educator. What's up? You know, like, yeah. and anybody that messages me is already read that and is cool with it. You know, we yeah. don't have to have as much of a discussion. Obviously, we're going to need to get to know each other more, yeah. but they still initially are already cool with it. So it's a little less dramatic or stressful. Yeah. 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 No, are they ever um, intimidated because you are a sex educator? <laughs> <laughs> no, thankfully not. <laughs> I mean, if they can't get on that level anyways, you know, who needs them? <laughs> That's fair. That is very fair. I know. <laughs> I have a friend, um, I, or I know someone who's a sex therapist, and um, I think sometimes even my boyfriend's like, I feel like it would be so intense to date someone who's a sex therapist. Like you would kind of be like, oh my god, you know all this stuff, and I don't. <laughs> but that's good to know. Imagine being a sex toy blogger too, and you have a whole. <laughs> It's so true. It's awesome. <laughs> I know. Although I feel like that might actually entice some people because they're like, oh, great. No, it's great. It's like a good You know, I, I always remember an episode of Sex in the City where someone was talking about the sex toys in their drawer. And of course, Samantha, who's the big, you know, blonde, who's totally into sex, was like, oh, I don't have a sex, uh, cup, you know, drawer. I have a whole sex cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, Eva, is that yeah. the same for you? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what's going on. <laughs> oh, 
love it. That's awesome. <laughs> that kind of does lead into um, another question that I've heard this conversation, mostly because I, I interviewed Spencer um, a while back um, and we talked about this. So like someone who's an able-bodied person suggesting to someone with a disability that they should date another person with a disability, but obviously depending on the ability of both persons, that you know, might lead to kind of accessibility issues. Um, and I know that Spencer had talked about his preference of dating someone who's able-bodied because then in the bedroom, that would be, you know, there would be a lot more would be able to happen. So I'm curious to know your thoughts on that. Well, really, it is a, a huge personal preference. And, you know, people are going to fall in love with or go for who mm -hmm. they're going to go for, you know. Um, I have known people with disabilities that marry or date other disabled people or who are with able-bodied people and everything in between, honestly. Um, however, mm -hmm. I do think that the idea that we should only date disabled people is really ableist, mm -hmm. and I don't agree with it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You're 100% on that. Yes, yes. Also, mm -hmm. I know P E people who A S ask their partner, their P C A, ask their P C A, which is personal care attendant, to help in the B E C B E in the bedroom if B O both people are disabled? Yes. So with no matter who you're with, there's always some creative way like that you can have accessible sex, basically. So that's why, you know, it's a it's personal preference. Exactly. Awesome. And it's great that there's, you know, personal care assistants out there who are willing to help and be part of that yeah absolutely yeah that's awesome so i did see that uh, you offer a workshop on assisted masturbation now masturbation is one of my favorite topics <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't mind answering this question what was your own experience like with masturbation because most of us you know it's a young age you kind of discover that this is a thing yeah and um kind of how easy or difficult difficult has it been for you to kind of um, find assistance with that where needed? Well, story time. <laughs> uh, my disability makes it so I can't use my hands. So masturbating seemed like it was just not an option for me mm. until I met Nick. He was my summer assistant when I was 19 years old. He was an overall great aide we had so much fun together. One day he asked, Eva, do you masturbate? And I, oh wait, and I immediately shook my head and gave him the look that said, how the hell would I do that? Um, a couple days later, he mentioned it again. Uh, you know, Eva, there are vibrating underpants. I could put them on you and leave the room and you could come and get me and when you're done and i just spelled that that would be too weird 
Nick said, cool, that was just a suggestion. Uh, but I kept thinking about it and eventually ordered my first and only pair of zebra print thong vibrating underwear. I love that they're zebra print. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, um, and I, I had my first orgasm and that felt really good. Over the years, I have refined my system of assisted masturbation, which I talk about even more in my class. <laughs> Romeo's back. <laughs> yeah, he's a little bunny, funny thing. Um, but so I've refined my uh, my technique and my uh, my method for assisted masturbation, which is basically like what Nick did, assisting me setting me up so that i can mm -hmm. access like masturbation basically yeah. yeah um and i talk talk about all that more in my class you know like how to how to have that conversation how to um how to figure out what works for you stuff like that also because i'm very upfront with my aides and let them think about whether or not they're open to helping with that it has been an overall really easy experience for me. Cool. If, and yeah. If S O some, if someone is not comfortable with it, I totally, that's, that's their prerogative. And I don't, you know, be like, you're fired or anything like that. <laughs> it's very reasonable. And we give them, give them plenty of time to just like be sure about it, you know? Yeah. So is that something you bring up in like the hiring process then? Would you have that conversation that early? No, but you do, I, uh, I have mentioned before, if that is a deal breaker for someone that they should mention it early. But for me, it's not a deal breaker. So I don't make that the main thing because I have many, a, I have many aides. So if, one doesn't want to it's still possible another one might and because i also the way i hire my aides i i always look for queer or just like sex positive people who are at least fine with the fact that i'm queer they do not have to be queer but they tend to be queer um <laughs> and uh just sex positive they know from the get-go like what my deal is so it's very common that they're gonna most likely be a little more open-minded to things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think probably given your, you know, celebrity status now that you're getting being a consultant on TV shows and going into these workshops across the world, that when AIDS sign up, they probably know like a lot about you and that you're sex positive and that probably yeah. attracts them to work with you, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. That's really cool. That's very, very cool. So my favorite question is, what's your favorite sex toy? Tell me. Okay. <laughs> or toys, if there's more than one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I personally really love wands. Um, they're really powerful, which I need, and big, so they cover a lot of area. But unfortunately, like in general, I can't give a favorite sex toy. A lot of people ask me for my what sex toy do I recommend to all disabled people? And I yeah. just can't, can't, can't mm. possibly say. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone is just so different. Mm -hmm. And even people who have similar conditions, they're like cerebral palsy, for example, 
that is a vast mm. spectrum of yeah. interpersonal experience that mm. is brought on by a lot of factors. Yeah. So just saying my favorite sex toy for people with disabilities, it's just not possible. But that's why I do my sex toy blog, because it's about giving people information to make more uh, informed choices about how accessible, so mm. they can think about it in the context of their body. Like, because for, for one person, if uh, one toy might work and be great and like super accessible and for another it just it might be a total disaster and a waste of money <laughs> yeah that's fair you don't want to waste your money on a sex toy <laughs> so like when you review them can you can you let us know like what are the type of things that you're actually thinking about when you review them well um i talk about how heavy it is if the buttons are easy or not how easy it is to hold and adapt or how flexible it is and just like so much more. I try to think about every possible angle. Um, I don't really recommend the toys. I will kind of rate them on their accessibility, but like um, it's more about, like I said, more about giving that information um, so people can make the decisions for themselves about their sex toy purchases. Cause it's also really common, like a lot of people with disabilities like need benefits or have a hard time finding like stable work like they're just more statistically likely to be poor so splurging on sex toys on a journey is not always possible for everybody yeah. one uh ti tip i often recommend is there are usually cheaper versions of toys obviously you don't want to go too cheap and get something that's gonna like you want to get from like a reputable buyer but they're usually even from reputable buyers you can still find pretty decent quality cheaper versions of toys so if you're not willing to splurge on the magic wand plus or whatever you can just get like a $50 wand, you know, or it kind of goes for a lot of sex toys. E, S, especially if you don't know if it's going to work for you. Yeah, it, it just helps a lot. It'll save you. And if you do like it, you can always save up and invest in a more high quality version later that's going to last you longer because that's also going to be worth like investing in. Yeah. Yeah, because they are expensive. Like yeah. it's sometimes. Um, I went to the taboo sex show. I guess was it last weekend, and um, yeah, there was some really cool sex toys there. But I was like, dear God, does it clean my dishes as well? Like if I'm gonna be paying <laughs> that amount of money, I, I think I wanted to do more than give me an orgasm. <laughs> you know? exactly. they, they were probably really good, but yeah, they're there's a great point. They're not super affordable, and you do want to make sure you're buying something that is going to last and is going to work and that you're yeah. going to enjoy right so that's really great that you kind of look at that factor too yeah so yeah. what oh, on you go I was just gonna say expense is a part of how I review toys I'm like this yeah. isn't going to be accessible to everybody financially yeah. you know and it's just a common factor that people often don't think about it's not just about accessibility works on so many levels yeah 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 
Yeah, I would so too. So um, you had mentioned, Eva, that you started all of this because at the time there were no resources when you were a teen, like absolutely no resources for someone with a disability to kind of start, you know, looking into sex and having sex and um, exploring their sexuality. So now that you've created all these resources, that's phenomenal. But are there any other external resources out there that have, you know, that are out there now that weren't there when when you were young that you would recommend um, to your clients or just anyone kind of asking you about you know your work and wanting to get more sexually active yes um so the youtuber hannah witten i really like she talks about sex and disability so you can check her out she's really funny but at the same time very educational and she also has a podcast called doing it um <laughs> what a great name yeah <laughs> In addition, I think the YouTubers Squirmy and Grubs, though they're really not about sex and disability, but I just think there's such great representation and resource on dating and disability and normalizing like inner-able relationships and just disabled people dating in general. Um, so that's just a really cute thing to check out. Um, I also recommend like just, you know, like uh, going to your local sex store if you're on a, a toy journey. Um, <laughs> uh, they might not know about disability, but they know their toys and you can work together to find something that works for you. You know your body, they know their inventory. And if you go to one that's known for being more like feminist, sex positive, woman run, you're going to have a better chance of finding people who are like open-minded, creative, down to work with you. Yeah, that's, I, I love now that sex stores aren't as like scuzzy as they used to be when I first moved to Vancouver like 15 years ago it was all these places where you could pay 25 cents for a peep show I still don't understand what that peep show would be for 25 cents never never explored it but you know they were all just like peep (laughs) (laughs) I don't know it's so weird and they were just like so gross you would never go in them but now there's some really great sex stores here that I enjoy going to and they have workshops as well on yeah. different things or women yeah. run they have great resources um exactly. so it's so good now that you can you can go and explore and not be sitting in a gross sex store that someone's oh, just okay. paid for a creepy peep show and mm. <laughs> you can even e- email us stores if you are not able to go in person or don't uh, don't have one near you um yeah like you can email them a lot of stores will even have chat that chat can help you like if you have specific questions like you're not sure because you can't see the toy in person or you just want help finding something that might work um online stores also very accessible as long as you have internet basically yeah lots of good online retailers and i'm curious because i guess i've never thought about this until now that if you did go to an online retailer or you were someone who couldn't quite get to the store and wanted to you know have a look at a sex toy and just even hold it to, to see how accessible it is but then it wasn't for you so could you send it back like do you know if those retailers because usually something like that wouldn't be returnable, right? So, 
I don't know. Honestly, yeah. I've never had to send one back. Um, I don't think so. I I had one time that where I like I sent it back because I thought it was I didn't send it back. I thought it wasn't working, so they sent me another one. But I got to keep the other one. And I turn turns out the other one was just like I put the batteries in wrong, so I had two. <laughs> so that was great. Uh, but, nice deal. Yeah, but still, like I don't know. But I, I'm guessing no, considering they didn't want my old one back. I'm thinking like they, there's reasons for that. That's just like the personal items. I I'm gonna strongly guess no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's exactly. fair. Yeah, I just honestly thought about that now. Like, hmm, could you return it if it wasn't quite for you, even if you hadn't used oh, yeah. it? Yeah, no, exactly. Because they have no way to know that you didn't use it. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you probably don't want to risk it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They can't not be refilled. They might as well keep it. You march your territory. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Are there any um, stores that kind of specifically sell sex toys for people with a disability? So toys that are more accessible, that have been modified. Is there anything like that that exists? I uh have seen a f a few that 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 say if if the t if the toy is d i disability friendly uh but like there isn't any major like uh sex toys for disabled people out there like explicitly but um but because i've been doing this blog um some of the companies that i work with do take my because i i really don't know any sex toy review blogs that work on disability so um they they've been taking a lot of my suggestions or and a c actually a d a adapting making more adaptable like toys like uh for example hot octopus uh read one of our reviews and um and actually came out with a toy explicitly like based on like a whole new freaking toy (laughs) that's awesome which uh no and also we we vibe uh has been really enjoying our reviews and said they're really trying to like pay attention to them and like take notes on them so we'll see what happens with that but they've been really great too and like they're already a really accessible company as yeah. far as their toys like really accessible yeah um so it's so cool that they're still open to suggestions yeah it's it's really cool to see you know the work that you're doing is actually having an impact yeah on an, <laughs> on this industry right and that those companies are willing to kind of adapt their products exactly i mean that's a whole like for them on the capitalist side that's a whole market that everybody would benefit from honestly like literally everybody even people who don't have disabilities benefit from adaptive like technology it's just how it is yeah yeah 
That's so, so cool. I'm curious to know. So, you know, I mean, obviously people who manufacture sex toys are going to be more sex positive and open to those kind of things. But I'm curious to know, have you um, tried kind of reaching out to more, you know, government or medical type associations to kind of push them to have more resources for people with disabilities? They are not... They're not cool with what I'm what I'm talking about. <laughs> so very, uh, they they've barely got they've got so much more. Like it's just the whole system, man. <laughs> it's, ableism is so deeply ingrained in the system. It is very hard to break that mold. I mean, it's not impossible. I never want to say that, but. So, uh, so no, (laughs) it's really, I know it's heartbreaking because I think, you know, the work that you do to, to go to schools, um, like educate at that level would be so important and just, yeah, it would be cooler, like going to actual schools. Like basically the workshops that are happening now are like colleges, panels, like we should, and like conventions festivals stuff like that Mm -hmm. like which all of that is super great but getting it at like a a, like a really early stage that's like that's so important like regardless of me doing it or not it just it needs to happen on that level exactly I know I I recently interviewed um, a couple of people who do sex education for like parents who want to talk to their kids and have that conversation and it was you know similar thing to you they were just saying and I think they were both in the states as well and are like yeah just the whole system here is is just not accessible for that and it's it's heartbreaking but hoping that that changes um one thing i i see you know i love the tv show sex education that's on netflix i don't know if you watched that yet yes 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 (laughs) love it absolutely and i'm hoping even just with something like that is going to start to pave the way for more sex education in schools and and you know and and those parents need help too (laughs) because no totally yeah exactly yeah yeah it's so true but um so is there anything else you would like to add or or before we wrap up Eva about the work that you do yeah Uh, c h e check you can check out my my website cripping up sex eva with eva.com for more information um, for all workshops, classes, I have pre-recorded classes and for, you know, just to make it that much more accessible for y'all. Um, M E R C merch and you know, all that cool. stuff. So yeah, yeah. com, and that's where you can, you know, it all branches out from there. There's yeah. plenty in there. Uh, and you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest. Thank you so much for tuning in to Uncomfortable. Now you can find out more about Eva on her website, crippingupsexwitheva.com and you can follow her over on Instagram and Twitter at crippingupsex and Facebook at crippingupsexwitheva. And always, I'll pop those links in the show notes.
If you enjoyed our conversation or you have any comments that you'd like to share, then head over to the episode page on our website, uncomfortable.blog, and you can post your comments in the comments box. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We are at uncomfortable.blog on Facebook and Instagram and uncomfy underscore podcast on Twitter. If you like what you heard, then you can head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a glowing review and make sure to hit all five of those stars. You can also support us on a monthly basis by becoming a patron and pledging as little as $2 to $5 per month. Your monthly pledges will help this little podcast stay on its pod feet by covering costs such as website and podcast hosting, editing software and equipment upgrades. Thanks again for listening. Now go out there and get uncomfortable. Uncomfortable.